Well, this morning we're looking again uh, in the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, we're looking a little bit about how the Lord has called us to fo- follow the Father's ways. Um, God really is an example to us uh, in so many things uh, about, in our lives, in our spiritual life, in our church life, obviously. I've got to be honest, I feel unprepared. Not necessarily for the sermon today. I, 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 that's, that's ready to go. Um, not for the little chat we're going to have a little bit later today and kind of talking about um, what the intentional interim is. Um, I, I'm ready for that little discussion, I think. But i got to be honest, I feel a little unprepared about life. Now, I, I'm turning older to this year. Um, anybody else with me? You're turning older? All of us are turning older this year. But we're all, I, we always face these new things that we're unprepared for. I got a chance to talk to Anders a little bit this morning, getting ready to go to college. I'm excited about that. I remember how I got there, my parents dropped me off, and then they we unloaded the our baggage. And my parents were like, they handed me a check, you know, to help pay for stuff. And drove off. What do you do with a check? <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't, how do I get, how do I turn this into like real money? I was thinking, I, I was completely sort of unprepared. I remember going through the line thinking, did they pay for like the meal plan or something? Or am I going to get up there? How, do I need to have money on me? And I remember asking one of the older students, where, where, where do you bank? Do you have a checking account? Well, how do I get one of those? I felt like I was just completely unprepared. I watched as my parents entered through different stages, and as Vicky and I were getting married, they were unprepared for us to get married. I was watching as my my brothers uh, headed off to to the new things in their lives, and how that was just challenging for them. They, they were parents; they'd been parents, but just every new child was sort of a new challenge, new workplaces, new experiences, changing even. Um, as senior adults, heading for new things in your life that just, boy, never saw those problems coming, never saw those challenges coming. And even if we're mentally sort of aware of the new things, it just feels like we missed something. Did, did I forget? Did I, did I not make the preparations right? We all need mentors. We all need models in our lives. And I think one of the things that as a church that we are often like somehow miss is in that great commission of the Lord Jesus, we are told clearly, and we teach this consistently, Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He goes on, of course, you know, to teaching them all that I've commanded you. He gives us some specific instructions. But as I've lived this life with the Lord and done these ministry things that He's allowed me to do, I feel like in the church, somehow we feel very unprepared to go make disciples. We're told to do it, right? Go make disciples. And, and we understand if you said, oh, go teach Sunday school. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I've been to Sunday school. I went to a Sunday school teacher training. I'm ready for that. Oh, go help in the children's department. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I've seen. I'll, oh, could you help with music leadership? Well, yeah, I could try to do that. We see these opportunities in the church and in our programming, and we're like, I'm good with that. But then if we ask the question, are you ready to make a disciple? Can you go make disciples as our Lord Jesus commanded? We start kind of looking around going, I I think I didn't, I missed that class. (laughs) I I, I must have been asleep on, on that lecture. I missed that sermon on how to make disciples. What does that even mean? 
Well, the book of 1 Thessalonians is fun because it is actually, I think, Paul's training manual on how to make disciples in the church, how to teach others how to follow Jesus. Now, if you remember, it was on Paul's second missionary journey that he came to the church of Thessalonica. He and some of his disciples, Silas and Timothy, were along with him. He was teaching them, training them. They were only there for three weeks, three Sabbath days, maybe three and a half weeks. But three Sabbath days, Paul reasoned with people. He won people to the Lord. He, Timothy, and Silas began to equip, disciple. And then because of an uprising, because of some opposition to the good news of Jesus, Paul, Silas, Timothy had to leave. And so this letter of 1 Thessalonians is being written back to some pretty young Christians. People who didn't really get all of the experiences of walking around with Jesus for three years. Who didn't hear everything Jesus had taught. And who had basically had a three-week crash course on what it is to be the church. What it is to be disciple-makers. And so the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, I think, with a real intent. God is inspiring him to teach them, to remind them of key things that they can begin making disciples right now about, because they have already been taught by the Lord those essential truths. And they need to pass those things on. Paul is writing to instruct them about that. But it's also... <laughs> He's using it kind of as a reminder to talk about this methodology that Jesus gave us of making disciples. Well, the first point today is a simple one, but one we often miss. Discipleship involves modeling. Discipleship involves modeling. Probably the most famous verse on discipleship for a lot of people who went through discipleship training courses with maybe a parachurch organization or at your church or maybe in a seminary kind of class would be 2 Timothy 2.2. It's not on the slide because maybe you know it. Paul just says, the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who in turn will be able to teach others. It's clear. What you heard from me, pass on. Teach others. And in the church, I think we're often really good at teaching. We teach in Sunday school. We have Bible study tonight. We teach um, from the pulpit. We teach. We do a lot of teaching of Scripture. We need to teach Scripture. But look at how Paul describes discipleship in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. He goes on to say, verse 7, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. When Paul was talking to Timothy, he talked a lot about teaching. You know, instructions. Telling people what to do. In 1 Thessalonians, he's saying, we are a model for you. You saw how we lived. You saw how we worshiped the Lord. You saw how we evangelized others. You imitated us. You followed us. You began to look like us. And so now you are ready to be a disciple maker. You are a model. Now, some of us are really, you know, when they say you're a model, some of us are kind of blessed with those good looks. <laughs> I mean, modeling, you know, I mean, could, 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 could be a future career. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought it all out. But some of us have the money makers. You know, I mean, I, mean, I get it. I get it. Some of us think, of, 
But we're, we're not talking about model as in just an appearance, right? We're talking about the way we live, the way we exemplify those characteristics of Christ, the way we do the skills that, and, and talents and abilities that God has given us, and the way we use those to serve the Lord. Who are your models? Who have been those who have modeled how to follow Jesus in your life? I was really blessed. I was really blessed. I had a Sunday school teacher. I was only in eighth grade. He was a young seminary student. He had six of us or something in the class. And, you know, he made time every week to try to come to my house. My parents were there. He would come by. And he brought this little little book of discipleship that was designed for teenagers and he would sit down there and we would go over a chapter for about 45 minutes each week and then he'd take off. He would talk to me about whatever problem a 7th grader has and he would share with me some truths from Scripture. He was making a disciple. He was investing in lives. Yeah, I remember I had a choir director. A choir director in the church. Now... Obviously, he taught me a lot about singing. Um, he actually kicked me out of the handbell choir because he said I didn't have the rhythm and then something like that. I don't know. But he also took me camping. I mean, we would talk about the Lord and what it was to worship God and how worship needs to be about the Lord. It can't just be tradition. It can't just be following well the same thing every week. We need to have intentionality because we are coming into the presence of God. He taught me what worship was about. Oh, there were some young men in college, Carl, and that guy, he taught us about forgiveness and about having grace with one another. As we all sat around the campfire, taking a bunch of college guys out, and uh, he he was a, a senior himself, and about trying to follow the Lord and surrendering his plans, missionary today, he and his wife. Really neat that they would invest in me, a young freshman. He was a senior. Why would he give up his time to hang out with me? You've had those models, right? They've been pastors, they've been teachers, they've been parents. The truth of the matter is, we are models. And God calls us to be disciple makers who are models. He goes on to say in, in chapter 10, or chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 10, You are witnesses, and so is God. We need to realize that and remember that God is watching everything we do. That as we have responsibilities in the church, we have a king, we have a master, we have one to whom we have to give account of all the talents and abilities and actions. Don't think that your choices, big or small, are just for you alone. We have a Lord that is watching. But we also realize that everybody else is watching. Someone is always watching. Your children, your teens. I can remember when one of my, my best friends in college, he had just gotten married. Well, not just gotten married. He'd gotten married, and he just had you know his first few children, right? I mean, they, so they were really young children. And I don't well, we were with him and his wife, and and something happened to irritate my, my buddy, and and I and a, and a word slipped out. <clears throat> you know, one of those words, right? And just kind of slipped out, and his wife was quick like. Careful, they're watching. <laughs> you know, just, 
my, my wife remembered, um, just the, I was kind of telling her a story like that earlier, and she remembered how my niece, I, I don't know what we were talking about, but it was some long conversation that we were talking with, with our, our uh, brother and sister-in-law and our niece, and she was only maybe two, two and a half, and, and something about like the situation wasn't that good, that pleasant. Use the word crappy, and we weren't talking about the fish. And all of a sudden we hear this little, Crappy. <laughs> out of that whole conversation, out of everything you could have learned, you picked up that word. Somebody's always watching. Your children are picking up clues. Your teenagers are picking up clues. Your young adults are seeing how you're walking through senior adulthood. Are you faithful in your senior adulthood? Are you faithful as a young child? Are children, teen, are teenagers, are you mentoring those who are younger than you? And hey, let me just tell you to you young adults, young teenagers, are you being an inspiration to your parents? Are you reminding them what it is to be a passionate follower of Jesus? Discipleship is about modeling. It's about you being faithful in those disciplines, uh, in, in front of your coworkers, in front of your children, in front of your neighbors. That's all faith facts in front of Alexa. I mean, um, something's always watching right now. I mean, I, I, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're watching right now, and we are being a witness right now to some computer somewhere. Um, they are all watching us. Do we, do we take each day as a day that God can use to transform another life? From our spouse to our children. Well, as we do that, we need to think about how we're living, right? Verse 10 goes on to say, Your witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. That's a pretty high standard. <laughs> i got to be honest. Holy, righteous, and blameless. i got to be honest. I, mm, boy, that's a high standard. Look. I know James tells us very quickly that we all sin a bunch. Uh, the Greek word is pluta, it literally means a bunch. We all sin in many ways and in many times. And in a variety. But here's the deal, how are you reacting to your sin? Are you confessional? Are you apologizing? Are you humble in, in your own wrongdoings? Are, are, are you constantly trying to keep a pure and right heart before, before the Lord, even when you aren't perfect? Are you being holy? Righteous and blameless. How we live right now, it's not about us. It's about being that witness. This week I had an appointment with a, a young adult and we met on the Johns Hopkins uh, campus and, you know, CDC guidelines had just come out about the masks that two people fully vaccinated can sit out, you know, sit outside. We were outside on a bench, fully vaccinated, and it had been three weeks, and nobody had symptoms. We were within CDC guidelines. And there was a little safety patrol person on campus that was like, do you guys have masks? Now, <clears throat> sometimes I like to be right. I just do. I, I know stuff, and I'm usually the professor, and I like to be right. Was it about being right? I could have lectured about the CDC guidelines that had come out that day. Or I could just put my mask back on and show humility and show grace that I'm living for others. Can we be holy, righteous, and blameless? Can you say, as the Apostle Paul does in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ? 
pray? You're not praying? Well, try this. Everybody pick your five. Remember we talked about the starfish? Have you picked your five? I hope you picked your five. I might ask you. Um, are you following the example that your leaders are giving you? Are you following the example of Christ so that you might be one who challenges others to follow Jesus? Discipleship involves modeling. But here's the other thing. Discipleship involves being intentional. Being intentional, right? <clears throat> you see the little picture there of a boy with a tie. I actually was thinking about it the day. I put on a tie. Um, <clears throat> I'm still not real good with it, I'll be honest. Um, I can remember, though, um, my, my mom used to buy me little ties, little clip-on ones, right? When you were a child and you would get a little clip-on tie so that you could go for Easter Sunday and have a tie and you look all cute and you were all proud as a little kid. But you just clipped it on. It was, it was great because then you could clip it off and then when mom came back and you could clip it back on. It was great. It was easy. I stayed with my grandparents for a few weeks and my grandmother wanted me to have a tie for church. If you want to, you know, dress up for Sunday. I was a teenager, and she thought, you could wear a tie. And she bought me a tie, and I was like, okay, well, yeah, I kind of like this one, and got one that was kind of fashionable. I thought really important. And I can remember thinking, how hard can this be? I, you know, I, I looped it around and thought, mm, something's not right. I tried it a few different times, and finally I just had to go, Grandpa, can you show me how to tie a tie? And I can remember him looking at it going, you're close. So you kind of got that half Windsor thing. And my grandfather, he just, he worked with me. He's like, no, you got to shape it. You got to spend time molding the tie. Yeah, you got to do this with it. And to, to try to make a, a nice looking tie. I, think, I still think I had to do it three or four times this morning to kind of get it about right. Right length, right shape. Simple thing. He taught me a lot more than that. Fishing and about character and about telling others about Jesus. Someone's always watching but it's about being intentional. How, you need to learn how to tie a tie. You need to learn how to share your faith with others. You need to learn how to spend time in God's Word. Look at what it says in, in, second, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I, I, I love this reference, verse 11. For you know that each of us dealt with you as a father deals with his own children. A father deals with his own children. He's going to give three images, three words that sort of describe this discipleship by a father. And it says, encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Those have become very important to me as I've done discipleship with young adults. I, I like the actual the NIV translation because I really feel like those three words bring out the three different aspects of discipleship that when I go into meetings, I need to be thinking about one is encouraging one is encouraging. It's not just kind of cheering, but it is cheerleading in some ways, but it's a very specific way. I think the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about as a father encourages his children, it's reminding the child, it's reminding the young adult, it's reminding the disciple of things that are true about them. Some of those truths are truths about all believers. You're a child of God. God loves you. I know you blew it this week, but God sent his own son to die for you because he knew your failures before the universe would even begin. You can never escape the Lord's love or his plans for you. 
These are truths about everyone. That God is working all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. We need to remind each other of scriptural truths that are truths about every single one of us. If we're going to be disciple makers, we need to say to our young adults, Hey, you were created in the image of God. You have an identity that is in Christ Jesus. That, that you have an eternal inheritance that can never fade, spoil, or blemish. What truths do you need to be reminded of? What truths do you need to remind others of? But you see, encouraging is often very specific. Very specific. Uh, it can be general, but it's also we need to take time to say, Hey, Josh, I appreciate the fact that you are given some time to lead us in worship. He's got a real talent. Jim, he's pretty good too. He's made a fantastic talent. These guys, I mean, but they sacrifice every week to be here early, to set up, and as you know, it's not just them. It's great for the musicians, the one we see up front. What about the guys that put up the sound system and the cameras? Thank you for having hearts that are for service. I think Dwight scoured this entire building today to find a cord that I needed. I mean the whole building. I'm pretty sure it was the whole building. He found it. He found it. Yeah, I, I mean, I am thankful for that. Well, thankful for people who have a servant attitude, who want to put others first. Thank you. Would you remind people of truths that you see in them, spiritual gifts that they have? Hey, I think God may be calling you to do. You're a good teacher. You're a prayer warrior. You're leading out. Do the things God has called you to do. We need to encourage one another. Encourage those who are younger. Encourage our children, our teenagers, our young adults, and our senior adults. Probably even the median ones, if I've forgotten. Whatever age group I forgot. Uh, we need to encourage, right? In the gifts that you see, the spiritual gifts that God has given the body, so that they will step out and do the work that God has called them to do in the body. But second, there is comforting. Second, there is comforting. I would say that right now, what I've seen in Valley Baptist Church is this is a church that does this part very, very well. When someone's sick, you're praying for them. You know every single need. It seems like every single Sunday. Well, maybe not everyone, but you know all, a lot of them. You're in each other's lives. You're telling each other about needs and concerns. You're there for one another. I don't even think I need to talk much about it. But Paul says that in discipleship, we've got to be ready to give comfort. Comfort because life is full of some struggles and some hardships. And sometimes it's that comfort when there's the failings. When they weren't successful. Or maybe even unfaithful to the Lord. That if they're repentant, comfort is part of our job as priests, as representatives of our King who comforts us. But finally, this is the one that I think we don't do very well. And I'm not maybe talk about you specifically, but I think as a general, as Christians, we often skip the urging. The urging those to live lives worthy of the gospel. To me, this is the idea of a challenge. That, that we as believers challenge one another. We push one another forward. We're like that player coach that says, come on, you can do better. Come on, you can try a little bit more. You ought to add this. I often talk to young adults who have begun their their first steps into taking daily devotion lives. It's like, well, yeah, you know, I, I read a couple of my Bible a couple of times this week. I'm like, I wonder if God wanted to speak to you every day. 
Or, yeah, yeah, you know, I really got down. I, I read a chapter each day. Each, each morning I'm reading a chapter. Like, have you thought about two chapters? Have you thought about one in the morning, one at night? Have you thought about praying for five people? That was last week's. <laughs> what is your challenge? How are we urging each other to do something more? Not just encouraging about where they're already successful and, and what God is already doing, but what about the more? The old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I think that's just a lie. I think Satan made that one up. We are never too old to be growing in our walks with Jesus. How are we urging one another? You know, Jesus got this right. Sorry. Jesus got, he was a model. He was a model. In fact, in John 13, it says Jesus, after he got down, wrapped a towel around his waist on the night he was betrayed, washing his disciples' feet. He says in verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I am leaving you a model that you should follow. It's not just about foot washing. It was about all the things. Jesus taught us. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I commanded you. But Jesus was also intentional. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, For what I received from the Lord, I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. Today, we're going to celebrate. Today, we're going to remember. Today, we're going to follow the model that Jesus has given as we intentionally proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. That's what the Apostle Paul says. We are proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. We are taking this moment to reflect on our hearts. Where have we been unfaithful to the Lord this week? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Where have we just needed to know and be reminded of the grace of the Lord Jesus? Let's take this time. Pray with me. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be here, bringing conviction in our lives, giving us strength for the next day. Lord, remind us and recommit or help our recommitments to you today be sealed in your power. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as the Lord Jesus taught us, he did on that night he was betrayed, take bread. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, that his body was broken for you. Our sins had a cost.
Scripture teaches us that in the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. His faithfulness, his model, uh, his intentionality to show us how to live, but also to take on our sin. God, let us never get past, never get over the love you have for us, uh, what the cross uh, cost you and cost your son. God, make us those that carry around in us the death of Christ, so the life of Christ might be seen in us daily. Lord, let your spirit settle on your people today. Let us reflect on how to be disciple makers every moment in every day. We pray this all for the glory of your son, Jesus, and in his name. Amen.